Amen. So good to be here with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. Amen. As you're turning there, I want to say um, it's crazy to believe that next week we'll be halfway through January. Before you know it, it's going to be 2018. Amen. But God's doing some great things already this year. Uh, first service I got to minister um, was uh, last week, Wednesday, at Alabaster Church of God to their youth group. And God did an awesome thing. And though I haven't known for very long that I was preaching here tonight, I've been looking forward to this ever since the invitation was given. And I just want to share with you something that God put on my heart here tonight. First Kings chapter 19, I'm just reading to you one verse, one nine, I mean verse 9, out of the New King James Version. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? My message here tonight, you were not made to live in a cave. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Lord, I pray that you have your way here tonight. Lord, I thank you for those that were able to travel here on this Sunday night to be in your house, to be in your presence. Lord, I pray that you touch the pastor. I pray you touch the youth pastor. Lord, I pray that you touch all the other ones that are unable to be here. And Lord, those that are battling sickness and going through different things. Lord, I pray that you be with them during this time and you comfort them as well. Because God, we know that you are omnipresent and you are everywhere. Have your way here tonight, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. You were not made to live in a cave. Elijah told a man by the name of Ahab that it would not rain. And your Bible says that it did not rain for three years. There was a woman by the name of Jezebel that was wreaking havoc on the prophets and the people of God. And she had killed a lot of the prophets. And one man, he decided that he would take the remaining of the prophets. He took 100 of them. He hid 50 of them in one cave. And then he took the other 50 and hid them in another cave because of this woman by the name of Jezebel. This was a very manipulative, this was a very evil person. This goes far beyond talking about somebody or running their name in the ground or simply spreading rumors about somebody, but simply she was beheading and she was killing the prophets of God. How many of you know that here in 2017 that there are those out there in the world that would love nothing more than to kill the work of God, to silence the church, and simply they don't mind if we come behind four walls and we meet on a Sunday, perhaps on a Wednesday. They don't even mind if we have a Bible study or perhaps a prayer meeting. But then whenever we go outside of the four walls and we begin to share and teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would like for us to simply remain silent. But I want to tell you here today, wherever there's a Jezebel, there will always be a Elijah. 
I want to tell you that there will always be a remnant of people in the earth that sincerely love God, people that will always stand up for the truth of God, people that will always believe what the Bible says and takes it for its word. I want to tell you here today that you need to be a part of the remnant of people. And I know that it's easy to do in a church service on a Sunday night when you got your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord sitting around you, but how are you living every single day of your life? How are you when you're at school? school how are you when you're at work friends I want to tell you here today that God's going to come back one day but until then we got to stand up and be bold for Jesus Christ here it is that they had been Ahab had been searching for Elijah he had been looking everywhere for him. He had been, search, he'd been searching caves, and he was nowhere to be found. He could not find this prophet, this man of God. One day, the prophet, he comes back, and he tells a man, he tells someone, he tells him, go tell Ahab that I am here. And the man, he says, I'm not going to go tell Ahab anything because Ahab's been looking for you, and every time he goes to a cave to search for you and he cannot find you, he becomes upset. So if I go tell Ahab that you're here and you disappear again, he is going to kill me. So he said, and you want me to go and tell Ahab that you're here? I'm not going to do anything. Right after that, Elijah went to Ahab himself. He went to Ahab and he presented himself before Ahab and the Bible says that there were 450 false prophets of Baal. How many of you know that we still have people that are living in idolatry today and they're worshiping other gods and not the Lord? Here it is that Elijah, he, tell, he stands up before all the people, he's bold, and he tells them, he says, that you need to make up your mind what God you're going to serve and serve him. You need to make up your mind. Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve the, 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 false, the false worship of Baal? And the people, your Bible says, remained silent. Elijah then, having enough of it, he decides to tell them. He said, what we're going to do, we're going to take two bulls. He said that I will allow you to choose the one that you want to choose. We're going to cut the bulls up. We're going to put them on the altar. And the God that answers by fire is the Lord. He allowed them to go first. So they take this bull. They cut it up into pieces. They put it on the altar. They began dancing around the altar because that was their custom in that day. And nothing happened. Then all of a sudden, they began begin to cry out to him and he did not hear them so then they begin to cry out louder your bible says then they took knives they cut themselves the new living translation says that blood began to gush out and then it was noon it was 12 and Elijah seeing this for going on for far too long he begins to laugh at them and begins to mock them he says maybe if you cry a little louder maybe he will hear you maybe he's in deep thought perhaps he's asleep maybe he went on a trip or vacation and nothing happened. Then he decides to take his bull. He cuts it up into pieces. He rebuilds back the altar of God that the people had tore down in the first place. He places the bull on the altar. And then he tells them to take water and to pour on it. They do this once. They do it twice. And then they do it a third time as he commanded them. And then he begins to pray a prayer to God in front of everybody. And he said, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hear me this day. He said, I want you 
you to demonstrate to your people that I am a prophet of the Lord and that everything I do is because you command me, me, me to. And then your Bible says immediately that fire came down from heaven. It devoured the bull and the sacrifice. But not only that, all of the water that was around the altar, the Bible says that the fire licked up the water around the altar. Friends, I want to ask you the question here tonight. Have you made up your mind what God you're going to serve? I want to tell you for anybody that might be agnostic, for anyone that might be atheist, whenever fire is faulting, then sir, then ma'am, you have to make a decision. What God are you going to serve? Are you going to serve all these false idols? Are you going to go about living your life however you want to? Are you going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's a question that only you yourself can answer. Ahab, after witnessing what had taken place there, he then goes back to Jezebel and he tells Jezebel about what happened. Friends, I want to tell you that you might be outnumbered. Here it is that Elijah, he thought that he was all by himself. He, he thought that he was the only one. But friends, I want to tell you, you can see what a real prophet of God can do against 450 false prophets of Baal. I want to tell you here tonight, you don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be intimidated because you might feel like you're the only Christian at your job or in your school or at the class or in your neighborhood. Friends, I want to tell you, you got to stand up and be bold for the Lord. Amen. I made up my mind a long time ago that I'm going to follow him. If none go with me, Lord, still I will follow. I'd rather stand all by myself and have God on my side than to stand with the masses and God not be anywhere around. Jezebel becomes irate. Jezebel becomes furious. And she says, this time tomorrow, I am going to have this prophet killed just like he kills my prophets. All of a sudden, Elijah, hearing that, he begins to flee for his life. He had a long journey in front of him, but God, your Bible says, gave him strength. Aren't you thankful for supernatural strength? Aren't you thankful that when you feel like you can't go on any further, aren't you thankful that God can encourage you, that God will help you to go on? Friends, I want to tell you, some of you in 2016, you were talking about how bad it was and how miserable life could be. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I understand we all go through things in life. Hey, 2015 was hell for me personally, but I stuck with it, and I saw what God did last year, and I know what he's about to do this year. But friends, I want to tell you that instead of throwing a pity party talking about how bad life is or how hard it is, what you got to do is you got to get along with the Lord. And like the Bible says David did, he encouraged himself. How do you encourage yourself? Pray in the Holy Ghost when you don't know how to pray. Get along with the Holy Word of God. Open it up and let the Bible speak to you. Friends, I want to tell you, we need strength for the journey. How many of you know and understand that life is not a sprint, but it's a marathon? Amen. If you ever run a 5K, you'll find that out real fast. I took off sprinting for about the first 30 feet. Then I was in the back of the pack. Amen. I am not a runner, except to the dinner table. But here it is, that Elijah, he fears for his life, and so he flees. 
He was going back. Where was he going? He was going to the very mountain that Moses went to to get the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He comes to this cave and he decides to go in. What is a cave? A cave is a place of resting. A bear goes into a cave to hibernate during winter. There's nothing wrong with resting. As a matter of fact, a lot of us, we need to take better care of ourselves and rest. Because my, I remind you that Jesus, he told his disciples to come apart and rest for a little while. Amen. I understand that people want to do great things for God. But friends, I want to tell you, if you, if you overextend yourself, if you're always going, how can you ever do anything significant for the kingdom of God if you run your batteries down all the time and then you run yourself into the hospital or the next thing you know, you can't even get out of bed simply because you haven't been resting. Friends, I want to tell you, we've got to learn to rest. The Bible says that God created the, the, the earth, but then, but then he took a day of rest. If God decided that he was going to rest, how much more do we need rest? Nothing wrong with the prophet going into the cave to rest. But the problem was he wasn't going in there just to take a nap. He was going in there to hide out. A cave is a place of inactivity. Have any of you ever been in a cave before? The church that I grew up in as a small kid, our, our youth camp, church camp, family camp, it was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So we'd go up there once a year and in uh, June or July, whichever it was, and they would always take us to Mammoth Cave. It, it was truly a phenomenal sight. I'd encourage each and every one of you to go there. It's a, it's a huge cave. You do a lot of walking. It's an awesome thing. But however, though, the thing with a cave, a cave is where inactivity takes place. It's dark. When they turn the lights off in the cave, you can hold your hand literally right in front of you and you can't see it. Your eyes can never adjust to complete darkness, no matter how long you may stay down there. It's cold. It's empty. I'm not afraid of the dark, but to be honest, when they turn the lights off for a minute or two, almost a little bit of fear comes over you because you're surrounded by complete darkness. And you can't even move because you may trip. A cave is a place of hiding out. Might I remind you that King David was hiding from Saul in a cave. But the problem is, there are a lot of Christians that go into a cave and they stay there for a while. Bears go there for a season. And we have some Christians that almost live in there day to day. I've noticed one thing. Here it is that we're in winter, I understand, but spiritually speaking with different seasons, you have people that they will go into a cave uh, really beginning in fall. Why? Because football season begins in fall. Everybody's excited, so engrossed in football, can't do nothing else, can't think about nothing else. Next thing you know, we run up into Thanksgiving and then Black Friday. Thanksgiving is almost a thing of the past because nowadays people, they show up, they eat together, watch the first half of the football game, then they go Black Friday shopping before Black Friday even gets here. Next thing you know, people are wrapped up in Christmas and, and running credit card debt up and all these other things. And then the next thing you know, a little bit of excitement begins to come back into Christians, into the church. Why? Because we're going into a new year. The next thing you know, a week or two after the new year, everybody goes back into the same old rut. Everybody goes back to the same place that they just came out of. All of a sudden, all the dreams, all the ambitions that they had for God and for the ministry have just fallen by the wayside and they just get back to the same old, same old routine of life. But what happens is people go into a cave. When do we 
we start to come out? We start to come out when it's finally springtime. Why is that? Is it because it's warm? No, we start to come out in springtime. What happens in springtime? Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We go buy nice dresses, nice suits. Everybody's getting excited. Then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden we go and we have that Sunday. Then we go, we hide back in the cave for a little bit longer. A couple months go by, gets a little bit warmer. Hey, now we're in summer. Now all of a sudden it's time for you camp. Everybody comes out of the cave, getting all excited, radical for God. Next thing you know, a few months later, it's back in the fall and we're hiding back in the cave. But friends, I want to tell you here tonight that it's time that you come out of the cave and now it's time that you live for Jesus Christ and you got to stay red hot for the Lord. I want to tell you in 2017, God's got great things he's wanting to do. God's got more people he's wanting to save, more he's wanting to baptize in the Holy Ghost. He's got more broken marriages he's wanting to put back together, but he's looking for somebody that will come out of the cave here tonight. The cave is a comfortable place. Another issue with living in a cave is isolated. Here it is, Elijah was all by himself in that cave. He was depressed. He was sad. He was fearful for his life because Jezebel wanted to kill him. Friends, I want to tell you that it's time now that some of you come out of the cave and decide that you're not going to live in there any longer. I know that you've been through some heartache. I know some of you have been depressed. But friends, I want to tell you here tonight, if you will come out and walk by faith and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, I want to tell you here tonight, it will get better. But some of y'all been living in a cave. Whenever you go through a hard time in life, what do you like to do? You like to go and isolate yourselves. Friends, I learned in 2015, isolation is one, of the, is one of the worst attacks that the devil can do. Why? Because you get by yourself, all of a sudden you start throwing a pity party. Next thing you know, you're not praying, you're not fasting, not reading your word, not, not listening to sermons, not believing in God. It's like your faith starts to kind of disintegrate and you're not even believing anymore. But friends, I want to tell you, we've got to stay connected and we've got to stay together. Amen. We got people that are living in caves. Maybe we need to go to where they are and encourage them. Elijah fleed for his life because Jezebel wanted to kill him. I think about that, and it's an interesting thought. Now, he had his life threatened, and I can relate. My life's been threatened many times. (laughs) Not for preaching the gospel but just because we have some crazy people in the world. But the thing that I find interesting about Elijah is the fact that he ran and he was fearful for his life, even though he saw what God just did. Think about it for a moment. If you back up even further in the story, God told him that there was a great drought that was going to take place and it quit raining. And the Bible says that he sent ravens to feed him and to take care of him. Then he took him to a widow's house and the widow said that me and my son are about to prepare our last meal and then we're we're going to die. And your Bible said that God provided day after day. I remind you, Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply and meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And so he 
saw the faithfulness of God. He knew what it was like not to have nothing and for God to make a way where there seemed to be no way. He saw how God delivered and how he answered by fire and, and that he silenced the false prophets and, and the ones that were worshiping Baal. He had saw all of that, but then he was so quick to forget about that when his life was threatened. Friends, I want to tell you that we must remember how God is faithful in the middle of difficulty. What is one of the greatest attacks that the devil will try to use against Christians? It's intimidation. That's what Jezebel did to this man of God. She intimidated him, and it caused him to run from where he was. God comes to him, and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Aren't you thankful that God will come to you? Aren't you thankful no matter where you are in life, no matter if you've been hiding out in a cave, no matter if you've missed church services, no matter what you're doing or where you're at, aren't you thankful that God can come meet you right where you're at? Aren't you thankful that God doesn't forget about you while you're living in a cave? You ever heard the saying, out of sight, out of mind? Or out of mind, out of sight? You can tell I haven't heard it too many times. I can't even quote it right. But you get the point. A lot of times if people don't see you, they forget about you. But friends, I want to tell you here tonight, maybe your feelings have been hurt because maybe you were sick, you missed a week or two here at Evangel, and nobody called to check on you. Maybe somebody accidentally forgot about you. But friends, I want to, I want to encourage you here tonight. There's a God up in heaven that knows you by name. He sees what you're going through. He knows where you're at. And I want to tell you, when it might feel like nobody else cares, when it might feel like nobody else is thinking about you, I want to tell you, God is thinking about you. Isn't it amazing that God is always with us, day or night, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing, his presence is everywhere. God asked the prophet, what are you doing here? It's a sign that the prophet was in a place that he wasn't supposed to be. Have any of you ever found yourself in a place you weren't supposed to be? Amen. I want to tell you that even if you find yourself in a place that you're not supposed to be, you can allow God to realign you and get you to exactly where he wants to be, where he wants you to be. How many of you know the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered? Can I tell you here tonight that God has already predestined some things for you to do? Can I tell you here tonight that God already has a lot of great things for you to do? But I want to tell you, you cannot be intimidated. You cannot be afraid. You cannot be shy. But simply, you got to get out of the boat and you got to walk by faith. Friends, I want to tell you, we all get discouraged. There are times I get discouraged. You want to know what I do when I get discouraged? I open my Bible, I pray, I read, and then I start preaching to myself. Sometimes I just got to preach to myself and encourage myself. And I say, Caleb, don't you remember what God's did in the past? Caleb, don't you know that what God's wanting to do? But friends, I want to tell you, some of you get too intimidated. You get too shy. All, this, all the devil's got to do is just push on you just a little bit, and you want to go hide in the cave. But I want to tell you, friends, if you're a man and woman of God, if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, if you've got the Holy Ghost fire inside of you, you got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. I don't care what the media might try to push against us. I don't care what's going on in Washington or around the world. I want to tell you, friends, God is in control, and God has the final say-so.
Elijah stood up when nobody else did. I want to ask you, friends, will you stand up for the Lord? There was a lady that I work with at the hospital. She lives a alternative lifestyle and she was telling me one day she was like yeah she's like all these Christians get on my nerves she said here here it is I live in the Bible belt and she and she said we have all these Bible thumpers and and all this other stuff and I told her I said well to be honest with you I said I'm a Christian I don't believe in homosexuality either but I still love and respect you like everybody else see I'm not gonna sit down I'm not gonna be quiet I'm not gonna be hateful either but I'm gonna stand up for God I don't care if I'm standing by myself because friends I want to tell you the only reason I'm still here tonight is because God touched me, God saved me, and I refuse to go hide out in a cave. My goodness, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to stand up for the Lord. Might stand by myself, but friends, that's why we got the Holy Ghost. Amen. But people get intimidated so easily. But friends, I want to tell you, we cannot allow this tactic of the devil to run our lives any longer. Do you know that people are simply just looking for people to be real? Everyone in life is searching for something. They're searching for Jesus Christ, though, that some of them don't know it. And can I tell you here tonight that if you want to be liked or popular by everybody, go ahead and get over it because it's never going to happen. But can I tell you there are a lot of people that are just looking for somebody that will stand up for what they believe, no matter the consequence, no matter the outcome. Have any of you seen the movie God's Not Dead 2? Amen. I love that movie. Here it is that the attorney is telling her, just admit that you're wrong. Just do this and just do that. The board tried to get her to do it, and she said, no, I'm going to stand up for God anyways. It didn't matter the outcome. It didn't matter what, what, the, what the issues might come out of it. Friends, I want to tell you, we've got to stand up for the one that first loved us. Might I remind you that Jesus left heaven, came down to earth. He lived as a, as a carpenter. He carried the cross upon his shoulders up Calvary, and the Bible says that he was beaten, he was spit upon, he was mocked, he was laughed at, he had a crown of thorns placed on his head, he went through all of that for us, but friends, the Bible says that he knew no sin and he became sin. Friends, I want to tell you, now it's time that you come out of the cave. Can I tell you, God's got great things for you. Can I tell you that God's got better things for you. Can I tell you, God wants to use you in an extraordinary way, but you got to come out of the cave. He's not going to pull you, he's not going to make you. Why? Because he gives us free will, he gives us the power of choice. But friends, I want to tell you here tonight, if you will come out of the cave, God will use you. Amen. Can't be a, a cave dweller. We've got the light on the inside of us, but we don't need for it just to shine in a cave. We've got to come out and be in the world, but not of the world. Friends, I want to tell you that God is not surprised nor caught off guard by anything. God, know, God is all-knowing, meaning that he knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. He knew Adam and Eve would sin in the garden because Revelation 13 and 8 says, Before the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain. Friends, I want to tell you that anything that you may go through in life, I don't care if it's a marital change, I don't care if you lose your job, whether you got laid off or fired, whatever it might be, can I tell you, there's nothing that, God, that, that happens that catches guard, 
God by surprise. So I want to tell you here tonight that you might as well go ahead and just and just encourage yourself and say, I might be going through a trial. I might be going through a tribulation. All heck may be rising up against me right now, but God already knew it was going to happen before it ever happened. Friends, can I tell you that God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God makes provision. Here it is that this prophet was alone. He was sad. He was depressed. He was quiet because he was hiding out in the cave. But then all of a sudden when he stepped out of the cave, God began speaking to him and he told him that he had more prophets that had not bailed their knees down to bail. Friends, I want to tell you that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. There are people across the world. There are people overseas that are being beheaded simply because they will not commit to Allah. They will not worship them. But friends, I want to tell you we've got to stand up for Jesus in these last days. Friends, I want to tell you we cannot be ashamed of him. We cannot be afraid of what somebody will say. We cannot be scared when persecution comes. Do you know that great revival comes out of persecution? Can I just take you to the book of Acts for a moment? There was a man by the name of Saul. He was persecuting the church and then the disciples, they decided that they had to spread and there was one man by the name of Philip, Philip the evangelist. He went down to a city by the name of Samaria. He began teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Demons were coming out of people. Great miracles were taking place. Friends, I want to tell you that though persecution may come our way one day, it's nothing to be afraid of. But simply, we got to come out of the cave and be bold for God. Amen. I'm tired of living in a cave. Amen. I can't be who God's called me to be. I can't be, honestly, who God is already predestined for me to be if I'm living in a cave. What's keeping you in the cave? Have you been living in there with someone else? Maybe you can't pull them out, but you can surely walk out. Amen. There are people that want to live in a cave. There are people that just want to complain. There are people that just want to talk about how bad life is. They just want to live in misery. It's like the saying I'm reminded of, misery loves company. There are some people that you may have to distance yourself from because they want to live in a cave the rest of their life, but God is calling you to come on the outside. Amen. I know people don't like to discord themselves from others. I understand you have a best friend you met in kindergarten. Now you're in your 30s or 40s, and, the, and you've always been friends. I understand that. You want to be a light in the darkness. You want to be a witness and hopefully try to lead them to Jesus Christ. At the same time, you can't let somebody keep you in a cave when God is calling you out. Cave. bear goes in a cave to hibernate. And some people, but it only lasts for a season, but some people go in there to live. Friends, don't live in a cave any longer. How many of you believe that this year God is going to do some extraordinary things? You're not going to see any of those things take place if you're living in a cave. How many of you believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life as individuals, also as the body of Christ, but as individuals? 
Might I remind you that God told a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I ordained you. That word ordained means set you apart and called you to be a prophet to the nations. My friend, before you were ever born, God had a purpose and a plan for your life. But can I tell you, you have the power to alternate that. You have the power to not live up to that because God gives you free will. But friends, the decision is yours. Do you want to live in a cave for a lot longer or do you want to come out of the cave here tonight? When you step out of the cave, never look back. Amen. An angel came to Lot, told Lot and his wife, to get out of the city because God was going to destroy it. They are making their journey. His wife in Genesis looks back, and she became a pillar of salt. Friends, when you step out of the cave, don't look back. That's not the direction you're going. Amen. But what does the Bible say to do? It says to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. May I tell you tonight that our God is a God of movement. But there's only so much you can move when you're in a cave. If you will, please stand. I'm ready to close here tonight. Here tonight for the altar call. If you've been living in a cave, and you know if you have, and you're ready to come out tonight, I want to invite you to come to this altar. Here tonight, if you have a need of any kind, great or small, or if you just simply just want to just worship the creator that created you, Whatever it might be here tonight, the Holy Spirit already knows. But I just want to open up the altars here tonight and allow you to come and spend some time seeking God. Last thing I'll say, friends, let me encourage you, come out of the cave. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be scared of. God has open arms and he's waiting for you. Will you come here tonight?